You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Lock on Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. I want to do a couple different things on today's show. In the first half, I'm going to talk about the latest rumors surrounding the top two free agents on the market, Trevor Bauer and George Springer, and how that pertains to the Mets. Then later on in the second half of the show, as we are celebrating New Year's, New Year's Eve today, I want to do a year in review for the Mets, talk about everything that happened this 2020 year. Obviously, there was a lot of bad things that went on this year, but for the Mets, there was also some good, so I want to go through all of that a little bit later on. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com. So I wanted to talk about Trevor Bauer and George Springer as they are still out on the market as we get into the new year here. Looks like they're going to hold out a little bit longer, and there's been some reporting about what those free agents are looking for. John Heyman reported that Trevor Bauer wants 36 to $40 million annually over five or six years. Now, Trevor Bauer has refuted this report, but I do think it holds a little bit of water because John Heyman likely wasn't talking to Trevor Bauer's agent. In fact, in his report, he said that Rachel Luba, Trevor Bauer's agent, declined to comment. Now, Trevor Bauer and Luba have been refuting all this and saying that, look, Heyman reached out to her when she was on a plane and she couldn't get back to him in time. That's why she, quote unquote, declined to comment. But overall, I'm assuming John Heyman is talking to teams who are interested in Trevor Bauer and that is how he got this information. And would it be that surprising if Bauer was looking to match or exceed what Garrett Cole made on the market last year? When it comes to average annual value coming off a Cy Young season, I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility that that is the high bar they are seeking. Because as you know, in these negotiations, you ask for the moon, the sun, and the stars. You ask for as much as possible. And ultimately, you'll probably settle for less. So right now, that could be the asking price. And I really don't think that Trevor Bauer is in a rush to sign. This is a guy who is very much into YouTube and creating content, and he is having a whole lot of fun posting videos, interacting with fans on Twitter, all of it tied to his free agency. So does he really want any of that to end right away? I'm not saying he's pushing off signing so that he can make content on YouTube, but what I am saying is I don't think he is calling up his agent every single day and panically asking, Where are we going? What deal are we getting? They probably set their line in the sand and they're trying to get it. And $36 to $40 million for Bauer makes sense only if 
He's looking for a short-term deal. And as a pitcher who previously talked about wanting to sign one-year deals and shorter contracts to maximize his value, it would not shock me at all if he was searching for a three-year, $120 million deal that would obliterate the record when it comes to average annual value at $40 million, breaking Cole's mark from last year at 36, but on a shorter deal where teams could get out of that contract much sooner and far less guaranteed money than what Garrett Cole got getting that $36 million over, what was it, nine years, if I'm not mistaken. So you look at that, and that makes a little bit of sense to me, although I doubt anyone will meet those demands. And if he is going to get north of 30, if I'm the Mets, I am staying far away from Trevor Bauer. He's not worth that money, in my opinion, especially when that would prohibit you from doing other things. One of those things that that would prohibit them from doing is signing George Springer, who they seem to be more interested in as it appears like it's either going to be the Mets or the Blue Jays that sign the all-star center fielder. Andy Martino of SNY is reporting that Springer wants north of $150 million. Now here is where that report stands in my mind here. If George Springer wants $25 million a year, which seems like a pretty fair asking price, and he wants six or seven years, that gets you north of 150, right? A six-year deal at $25 million a year is exactly $150 million. I think the Mets are more likely to want Springer on, if they could get him to sign on that line, a four-year deal. Four years, $100 million? Who wouldn't sign up for that? That would be perfect for the Mets. Likely, I think, over time, the two teams, are, or the two sides, I should say, are going to meet in the middle. I really do believe that George Springer is eventually going to sign a five-year deal worth 125 with the Mets, something around that range. And this thing will get done at some point over the coming weeks, I believe. But there's still some more negotiating that has to be done. And having that second team in the Blue Jays in this mix right now, that makes this a tougher negotiation process. If the Blue Jays make a different move, let's say they sign DJ LeMahieu, maybe that takes them out of the running for Springer and puts the Mets into the driver's seat. But we will see. It would appear right now as we are sitting here entering January where all these free agents are out there that these two guys might be slowing up the market a bit because Trevor Bauer clearly slows down the market for guys like Jake Odorizzi and Masahiro Tanaka and some of the tier two starting pitchers. And for Springer, when it comes to the position player market, maybe after he lands with either the Mets or the Blue Jays or maybe another mystery team, that might free up guys like Marcelo Zuna, DJ LeMayhew, and others to ultimately find their deals. Anyway, as more news comes out with these signings, I will be sure to update you. But for now, it seems like we are in a standstill heading into the new year. But before we turn the page on 2020 and happily enter 2021, I want to do a year in review of Mets baseball. I'll get to that in just a minute. Are we ready for some playoff football? It is right around the corner as the NFL enters their final week of the regular season this Sunday. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust if you want to get in on the action. That's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON, you will get a 50% welcome bonus. You can bet on things like 
the NFL playoffs, the college bowl season. Got some bowls coming on New Year's Day. So sign up now. You also have the NBA season underway. And of course, the MLB season will be here before you know it. And you can bet on all that stuff too. So make sure if you want to get in on the action and stop sitting on the sidelines that you go to betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, unlike other protein bars that might taste dry and make your mouth feel like you're in the Sahara Desert, Built Bars are soft and easy to chew, packed with amazing and healthy flavors like the Caramel Brownie Bar, the Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars coming covered in 100% chocolate. These bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. So if you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Since today is New Year's Eve, I thought there was no better time to go back and review the year 2020. And while there was a ton of turmoil around the world throughout this year, a bunch of devastating news, there was also some things to celebrate, like the sale of the Mets, which really capped off this year on a positive note for Mets fans. But dating back to January 16th, the first major news that happened with the Mets this year is Carlos Beltran was fired just two months after being named their manager. Now, this was, of course, due to the sign-stealing scandal where Carlos Beltran was a player on that Houston Astros team in 2017. There was a lot of buzz and rumors going around about that sign-stealing scandal and all these players were getting dragged through the mud and Beltran got caught up in that as well, had to be let go. Now, what I remember most about his firing was simply how poorly the Wilpons managed this situation. Instead of letting out a press release the morning of January 16th, which just happened to be the same day that Mike Piazza was honored in Port St. Lucie as they changed the address of the spring training complex to reflect Piazza and his legacy, the Wilpons chose to stay quiet. That led to a very awkward situation as Mike Piazza and Jeff Wilpon were grilled about Carlos Beltran as opposed to simply celebrating the great honor that Piazza was bestowed. And that was really just a rough start to the year. Then on March 12th, the MLB announced that the season would be postponed two weeks due to the pandemic. At the time, there was a lot of confusion. The NBA was in the middle of their season. Everything stopped when Rudy Gobert, one of their star players, tested positive for COVID. The sports world started to respond. March Madness closed, and suddenly we had the initial postponement of the Major League Baseball season for a few weeks, and then four days later, the season was postponed indefinitely, leading to an elongated period with no sports, where I will be completely honest, we struggle to find stuff to talk about here on Locked On Mets, and one of the things that gave us some content during that down period was Jeff McNeil in the Players League Championships, which was a tournament between 
all 30 teams were one player representative, would show down with other players in MLB The Show, the video game, and Jeff McNeil had an unbelievable run, ended up going into the semifinals where he lost to the eventual champion, Blake Snell, who won for the Rays. Now Snell is a Padre. The MLB season was announced to begin on June 23rd. Rob Manford unilaterally excuse me, implemented the 60-game season after a long strife between the players and the owners. Players would report to training camps on July 1st, and the season would resume on July 24th with opening day. On July 28th, rookie David Peterson made his debut for the Mets and earned a victory against the Boston Red Sox, pitching five and two-third innings while allowing just two runs. Peterson was one of the lone bright spots of the Mets season, leading the team in wins with six and pitching to a very solid 3.44 ERA. Meanwhile, Andres Jimenez, another real bright spot for the Mets, as the rookie shortstop hit 263 with a 333 on base percentage, a 398 slugging percentage, a 732 OPS, had three home runs, eight steals, and played outstanding defense all around the diamond. He also proved to be the Mets' best base runner with those eight steals, and just overall, his instincts on the field are undeniable. Later on August 31st, the Mets made a flurry of trades near the deadline acquiring Miguel Castro from the Baltimore Orioles in exchange for pitching prospect Kevin Smith. be nice to still have Smith as some depth for the Mets rotation, but instead they have Castro moving forward, coming out of their bullpen, and they hope that he can really bounce back after a rough first month, I would say, there with the Mets at the end of the season. The Mets also added Robinson Torinos and Todd Frazier at the deadline to make a push towards the playoffs, but that push ultimately came up fruitless. On September 2nd, we learned of the passing of Tom Seaver, the greatest player in franchise history. This was really devastating news for a lot of the Mets fan base that grew up watching Tom Seaver, like my dad as one. And we saw then a great outpouring of love and support for Seaver and everything that he did for the Mets. And then the next day on September 3rd, the Mets honored Seaver In a variety of ways, they hung his jersey in the dugout. They celebrated near his signed 41 Seaver Way with uh, bunting, uh, uh, purple and black bunting and balloons. And every player on the team put dirt on their knee in celebration of his drop and drive delivery, which was iconic and really a very cool way to honor Seaver's specific legacy as opposed to just wearing 41. This was a really nice touch that the Mets had. And ultimately, they had a thrilling game against the Yankees on September 3rd. They were losing 7-4, going into the bottom of the 8th inning. Ahmed Rosario cut the deficit to 1 with a bases-loaded single that scored 2. Then, in the bottom of the ninth inning, J.D. Davis hit a home run off a roll as Chapman to send the game into extra innings. That inning was actually really interesting because Billy Hamilton... Came into the game as a pinch runner after a leadoff walk. Was on first base prior to J.D. Davis's home run. Gets the second on a balk. And then inexplicably tried to steal third and got thrown out. And I believe Billy Hamilton was let go a few days later. J.D. Davis bailed him out with that home run that tied the game. Then in extra innings, Pete Alonso delivered a memorable final blow 
hitting a leadoff two-run homer because of the extra innings rule and the runner starting on second base. Alonzo got an extra RBI and the Mets won by two, but it was a thrilling walk-off to celebrate the memory of Tom Seaver. The Mets ultimately did not have very many high moments after that day. They finished the season 26-34, and finishing in last as they had a bad season record against the Nationals, who had an identical record. The Nationals won six of their ten matchups, so technically Washington was in fourth. The Mets were in fifth, and that led to the last, last place finish for the Wilpons, a really fitting end to their tenure as Mets owners on October 30th. That officially ended as the other MLB owners approved Steve Cohen's bid to buy the team. Mary de Blasio gave him the go-ahead as well, and Cohen would finalize the sale of the team a few days later. With Steve Cohen in place, 2021 promises to be a much better year for New York Mets fans and the team as a whole. We are all really optimistic about the future, and in December, we saw a handful of moves that really continued to build off of that optimism. On December 2nd, the Mets signed reliever Trevor May to help shore up the bullpen. On December 15th, they signed James McCann to shore up the backstop, and they also hired Jared Porter to be their new GM, giving the Mets a clear direction moving forward. All in all, setting COVID aside, 2020 ended up being a good year for the Mets because of that change in ownership, although the season itself was kind of a disaster. The Mets had really lofty expectations that they did not meet. And moving forward, a lot of things seem to change on the field outside of what's going on in the front office and throughout the organization because the players themselves have to step up. And on tomorrow's show, as we get into New Year's Day, I'm going to do what a lot of people do, which is make some New Year's resolutions for the Mets and really for some individual players on the team. So make sure you tune into that episode. We'll also cover any breaking news if we get some before the year comes to a close. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And also make sure you follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan and follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnMets. And the holiday season is about to come to a close, but holidays are still about giving. And I want to give you all a hot tip of how you can earn some extra cash heading into the new year. And that is by subscribing and listening to the new Locked On Bets podcast, which is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee has been red hot to start the season. Every day he shares his lock of the day. So you need to be listening and capitalizing on this great information by betting at betonline.ag and also subscribing to the show Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts.